Let's stand together and open our Bibles to John chapter 14, verse 26. We've been talking about powering up, walking in the power that God has for us. If you've missed the messages the last few weeks, you can get online and listen to those messages and hear the places where God wants to pour strength into your life. Today, we're going to talk about one very specific need that all of us have that we need God to move in our lives. Listen to this passage in John chapter 14, verse 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Mother's Day is a great day, isn't it? To all you moms, thank you for your service. We just applaud you today. Yes, please. I hope you take advantage of the pictures afterwards and have a great time with your family today. But I'm also aware that for some people, Mother's Day is a harder day. It's a tougher day for many, many reasons, and we're going to talk about a few of those uh, today. I'm grateful that Dawn is as willing to come up and share with us today, and this is a different day for a Mother's Day than Dawn's ever had before. Dawn, will you come and tell us a little bit about it? Well, this year, on September 17th, after uh, six weeks of illness, my mom passed away. So this is my first Mother's Day without a mom. Uh, the first year of not buying a card, not the first year of not buying a gift. And, of course, today, I, like many of you, I, I really miss her today. Dawn, what did you learn from your mom? First of all, my mom was a super fun person. My mom was the queen of practical jokers. <laughs> and I don't have time today to go in a, but into it, but she could do some doozies and pull them off, and none of us were suspecting the other thing my mom was, was she was so hospitable, and our home was always open to our friends, to people who needed a place to stay, sometimes for days or weeks and even months. And my parents just opened their home so freely, and I learned that from her. The other thing I would say, the most important thing about my mom is she was a godly mom. She made sure not only we were in church, but we participated. She gave us opportunity for God experiences in our lives. She sent us to camps and youth conventions, and any place that we could uh, connect with the Lord. So she was such a godly influence in our home. I think that one of the great things that we do to remember those who've gone on before us is to remember the lessons they've taught us and to put those lessons into practice ourselves. And it just, it honors them, I believe. And I believe that it, it, it builds the spirit and reminds the spirit of what they meant in our life as we do those things. Dawn, how, do you, how, how are you handling a day like today? And what would you say to others, men, women, uh, sons and daughters who've lost a mom, what would you say to them today? Well, first of all, I have to say, I had to deal with this right off the bat when my mom died because the Lord laid it on my heart right as she passed away that I, wanted, I should preach her funeral. And um, I had my brother and sister were saying, no, you can't do that. You won't be able to do that. And I said, yes, I can. And so I preached her funeral, and here's some things I learned from that, and I'm, they're still in practice today. And that is, number one, if you've lost your mom, her race is done. 
She has crossed the finish line. She has completed the course, but your race is not done. And this is not a time to back off. This is not a time to set back and grieve like the world grieves because we don't grieve like the world grieves. We grieve with a sense of hope. We have eternity ahead of us and we have Christ. The other thing I would tell you, it's okay to cry, but cry, wipe your eyes, get up, and in my case, fix a good cup of tea and go on. Just kind of keep going, but don't let your emotions hold you back. Cry if you need to, get over it and go on. And the other thing I would tell you today is there are so many people sitting in this room today that are hurting beside yourself. So get your eyes off yourself and look at others and they're hurting and be an encouragement to them today. Use what you've learned. Use the strength that you have to help them. And uh, the most important thing I'll tell you today is ask God for help because he will give you the strength. The Holy Spirit will comfort you. The Holy Spirit will give you everything you need in every moment of your life. And he is your anchor today. He is your foundation, not your mom. Don, yes, amen. Don, please, just, just pray for those who've lost a mom, would you please? Let's pray. Lord, I lift up today those today in this room who are hurting, those who've lost a mom, those maybe who are sitting here today who are childless and wish they were not. Lord, those today who have lost a child or whatever the situation is today that makes this day hard for them. Lord, I just pray the comfort as only your Holy Spirit can give upon their lives at this time. Lord, I also pray that you would show them the race that is set before them, that they can run it with honor and they can run it with strength and run it in your power. Lord, I just pray today that you would help this day to no longer be hard for them, but help it to be a day that they turn and find it, it's a day to reach out to others and help those who are in need also. Lord, bless them today. Bless homes today and encourage hearts, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Dawn. The Bible says that God formed us and knit us together in our mother's womb. And it also says that each of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mark and I have six children. And four of them are biological children. Two are children that we like to say God brought to us special delivery. And uh, each one of them is fearfully and wonderfully made. Years ago, I was talking with a friend who had two biological children and one adopted daughter. She got into a conversation with her daughter about how babies grow inside of mommy's tummies. And she, the, the little girl was fascinated at the thought of this. She called her brother, oldest brother's name and said, Mommy, did he grow inside your tummy? And my friend smiled and responded with a yes and kind of suspected she knew where this conversation was going. Then the child called out her other brother's name. And she said, Mommy, did he grow inside of your tummy too? The mother nodded and said, yes, yes, he did. Then came the question that she suspicioned would come. What about me, Mommy? Did I grow inside of your tummy too? The mother said, no, you did not. The little girl looked puzzled and a little bit disappointed. And in that moment, I believe God whispered, the perfect answer in my friend's ear. She said to her daughter, you grew inside of my heart. Beautiful. 
With that, the look of concern was replaced with a look of contentment and satisfaction, and they went on about their day. Beautiful. As the years went by and I became a mom to two daughters through special circumstances, that story came alive in my life. Tina and Lydia are a precious part of my family, and my love for them runs so deep. The love modeled by our Heavenly Father for his son, for his son, the God-designed unconditional love a parent has for their child, this natural affection that God intends between a mother and her child is an amazing thing. But sadly, sadly, sometimes that love is absent or it's destroyed. And I am 100% sure that there are people in this room today who did not experience this type of love or bond with a parent. There are a lot of reasons why this happens. There are a lot of reasons. You think, how could that be? If you have a natural relationship with your child, you're like, how could someone do that? But there's a lot of reasons why this happens. Maybe mental illness, perhaps a physiological issue, um, or circumstances of life have moved a parent to a place where they're incapable mentally to have a relationship of this nature. It may be bad enough that the child is removed from the home, or even worse, it's hidden, and the parent-child relationship is unhealthy and, and terrible. Perhaps they could, they could have missed out on this because of emotional brokenness. You know, unhealthy parent-child relationships may develop when a parent suffers from an emotional brokenness. Maybe their upbringing left them scarred with no model of uh, healthy family relationships, rather one that is jaded by abuse, neglect, or episodes they never wanted to play out again, and yet they find themselves treating their child the only way that is familiar to them. Perhaps it's addictions or wrong priorities. Other times it's a choice of the parent. A parent may choose other things above their children. Drugs can take priority. They can have such a grip on a parent's life that they can no longer control. The drugs are in control rather than them being in control. Alcohol may take priority. Maybe they find release from the stress of life found in a bottle, and maybe that's robbing them from one of the most incredible experiences known to us. Perhaps it's work. Maybe work can steal that priority away. Maybe a parent is so caught up in success and gaining position that they miss out on building a healthy, lasting relationship with their child. All of these things can rob us of knowing how to show what should be a natural affection between a mother and her child. In the last uh, year, I have renewed a friendship with uh, a young a, a lady that was a friend of mine all through high school, in and out of her home many, many times. In the process of walking through this friendship, renewed friendship, She's, be she's begun to deal with some issues from her past, and she shared with me one day the abuse and the brokenness, the dysfunction 
that was in the home. As a teenager going in and out of the home, I didn't know any of that. I was, I was oblivious to all of it. Everything, when other people were there, everything looked good. It was when the doors were closed and everyone was gone that things were really broken. And now 40-some years later, dealing with those issues and trying to come to wholeness ourselves. One of the dangerous things inside of something like that is the brokenness that continues from generation to generation. But here's the great message today. Christ is a redeemer. A redeemer. This is what this means. The memory is still there. He doesn't erase the memory of what's happened or what was lost. But he erases the power the experience has over us. We are no longer formed, made in the image of that experience. We become formed and remade in the image of God's experience with us. God brings, by the power of his Spirit, leading us, teaching us, reminding us. He brings us to emotional health. We are no longer under the, we are no longer influenced or impacted by the the actions of others, whether that's a broken relationship, an unhealthy relationship with a parent, whether that's some other thing that's happened to us. We no longer have to be defined by that because God will come into our spirits and rework our life. And he takes that very painful thing, that issue of brokenness, And he uses it in us as we get healthy to heal others and to bring health to others. We can now go on with life as a whole person where our children are not influenced by the brokenness, but we have healthy relationships with them. Or as we walk through life, we now feel the freedom and the health from whatever it may have caused, depression or anger or frustration, hurt, bitterness, it can be surrendered and the Spirit of God can heal us. So again today, I would encourage you, before you leave here today, if you face some of those things, begin the path of healing. Invite the Spirit to move in your life. Recognize what's gone on in your past and what's happened. We're not denying the pain of that. We're not denying the hurt of that. We're telling you there's a path to healing that God brings in your life. And begin to open your heart up to that path of healing. Come down before you leave and let somebody pray for you. Ask God to begin to move in your life. And day by day, as you begin to walk through your life, become aware that the Spirit of God is available for you to bring healing so that what happens to you doesn't damage your marriage, doesn't damage your relationships with your children, doesn't damage your influence and your testimony before a world, doesn't damage your heart and leave you broken, but where you become a conqueror, what the Bible calls 
more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Before we go on, we're just gonna, I'm just going to ask Renee to pray for anyone who did not have those nat- that sense of natural affection in your home, in your life, and that God will allow us to overcome that and live in that natural affection for others. Father, we love you so much, and we realize that we live in a broken world. We realize, Father, that home situations aren't always the way that you intended for them to be. And God, as we sit in this place today, we know that there are people here who know exactly what we're talking about. God, we pray that your healing, your health, your wholeness, your peace, your love, and your joy would rest upon their lives. God, that they would be able to take those bad things and turn them into good, which you so magnificently do with our lives over and over again. We pray that you would heal them, God, that you would help them to take their experiences and help others along the way who have faced similar things. God, that you would lift them up, that you would empower them, and God, that you would make them a better person as they move forward and ask for your touch to be upon their life in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I remember so clearly when Jessica was born, our firstborn, in the hospital room the moment she was born. They'd prepared us for so much. They'd they'd told us uh, some of the reactions that were going to take place and that no matter how warm it was in the room, she would be cold. No matter how dark in the room, it would seem bright to her. Uh, No matter how how wrapped up she, we, we wrapped her up, she would feel like she was hanging out it's because she's been in the womb for her whole existence. And they prepared us for some of those things. And then she was born. I walked over to, they, they'd taken her and put her in under the lights and they were doing all the things they do, measuring and doing all the things they do, checking all the checks that they check. And I walked over and was watching her as she was laying on this table letting the world know she had not enjoyed this experience so far <laughs> very much. She was crying pretty good. And uh, I reached down to her hand. Her hands were up, and I put my finger in her, ha- in her hand, and she instantly wrapped her finger, her hands around my finger. They had not prepared me for what would happen in that moment, that in that moment, They don't just grab a hold of your finger, they grab a hold of your heart. And I knew in that moment that my future joy was wrapped up in this little being laying on this little bed. And she was crying and I said to her, I said, Jessica, it's okay, it's okay, we're here. And when I did, her little head moved towards me. And the nurse said to me, there's a little girl who knows her father's voice. I was done. (laughs) Absolutely cooked at that moment. Whatever she wants, whatever, we're going to make it. Something's going to happen from this. That's the natural affection. 
I remember when Tina came to live with us. We thought she was going to be with us for a, a few weeks. Six. Six weeks. Uh, we were working through some things with the home she was in at that time. And the process of trying to work through those things, the whole thing fell apart. And she was now w with us, and we're trying to figure out what does the future hold and what's the right thing to do. Renee was 26. Tina was 15. Are, are we ready to have a 15-year-old? <laughs> and I remember one day praying about this, and the Spirit of the Lord saying to me, what would you want others to do for your child if you were gone? And the Lord whispering into my heart, I prepared you for this. God prepares us for the things that are before us. And he builds that natural affection for them. You'll experience that when you get involved in ministry and you begin to minister to people. You begin to see, feel a natural affection, a desire. God wires us up so that there's natural affection in our life. Renee, how'd that impact you? Oh, in lots of ways. As a mom, um, there have been a multitude of moments that my heart has been full and sometimes even felt like it was bursting because of my child. Um, when I found out that I was expecting each time, just the inexplicable wonder of, wow, there's a person inside of me. Who are they going to be? What are they going to be like? What are they going to become? Just all the questions that flood your mind. The overwhelming joy um, I felt with that first flutter of movement and the realization that that, that wasn't just butterflies in my stomach. That was a life, a life growing inside. The first time I held my children in my arms and how my breath was taken away at the instant love I felt. The daunting responsibility felt the first time I was alone with my child and realized that their life depended on me. Their survival was in my hands, totally dependent on me. You know, being a mom has made me pray more. Just sitting on the front row, as Mark mentioned earlier, I got a text from Kaylee saying, I'm getting ready to head overseas. And mixed emotions, excitement for her and what God's going to do. And yet, just pray, pray, pray that she's safe, that God accomplishes what he wants to accomplish. A lot of times my kids will be away from me and I will have a thought of one of them and all of a sudden I'll feel, I'll feel fear moving into my heart. What's going on with them? Why am I thinking of them? Where are they? Are they safe? Is something bad happening? And instead of getting caught up in those thoughts, I stop and I pray. God, protect them. I gave them to you as, as infants. They're in your hands. Keep them safe guide them, guard them, give them wisdom in their choices. The fearlessness and determination to protect and love my child, there is no threat 
too great, no bear too big, no car driving too fast, no person too tough that I would not take on if they were going to hurt my child, I thought. Being a mom causes me to see the best in my children. I see what they could be before anybody else does. I see it, and I want to help them to reach their potential to the fullest. The power I feel when they're little and they think, I can fix anything. <laughs> I can fix anything. Uncle Bob had that power with our girls, too. They thought he could fix anything. Um, moms, a lot of times, move from being selfish to selfless. All of a sudden, my needs aren't that, that important anymore. I want to take care of my child's needs. Forgiveness becomes so much easier when you become a mom. You know they've done something wrong. You know they have faults. But hey, it's your child. You forgive them. You're going to help them overcome. You're going to help them learn. And finally, although there's so much more I could say, just as we experience God's unconditional love when he invites us to be his children. When you become a mom, you have a greater understanding of what that means. Because there is nothing, nothing, nothing my child could do to make me stop loving him. Have you ever had a dream that when you woke up you were mad at somebody because of the dream? You, you... <laughs> You dream something about your spouse and you wake up and you're mad at your spouse because of what they did in the dream or your parents or whatever. Am I the only one that's ever had a dream like that? I will just tell you, dream Renee is not a nice person. No, not at all. <laughs> the other day, Jessica came to us and she had had a dream and she dreamed that she'd heard that her mom had died. And she came to me and said, Dad, I heard Mom died. And I looked at her and said, look, I don't have time for that right now. <laughs> that is not natural affection, is it? <laughs> That's not the way things are supposed to be. You heard Renee talk about unconditional love. You've heard her talk about the things that you would naturally do and the protection that you would offer and the things that are just natural in our heart. Brothers and sisters, I, I want to speak to all of us today for just a moment. This is an important thing for us to capture. It's important for us to know it about ourselves. It's not a pleasant piece of knowledge, but it's a true piece of knowledge. We all lack natural affection at some points in our life. Say, oh, no, not me with my kids. I'm not talking about this with your kids. I'm telling you that at some places in our life, the sin nature robs us of what should be the natural affection that we feel for others. I'm always shocked when I see a parent who doesn't, or deal with a parent who doesn't have natural affection for a child. It shocks me. It, it blows, it, it blo I, I don't understand, it blows me away. When that natural affection is somehow missing, whatever the cause of it might be. 
It's heartbreaking when the natural affection between a husband and wife breaks down. And some of you have experienced that breakdown and know the pain and the suffering that comes with when the natural affection is broken down. And we go, this is a terrible thing. But if we look at the world today, we see that the natural affections of loving each other the way God would have us to love each other, the second great commandment to love our brothers as we love ourselves is broken in our world today. And when we look closely in our lives and we compare it to the natural, unconditional love that God offers us and we compare it to our experiences with natural affection when we have healthy natural affection for others. We come to a point where we have to admit, I don't have, the love I have for myself, the way I'm supposed, the way I, I don't have that all the time for other people. And yet that's the standard God gives to us. See, prejudice is a sign of broken affection. Hatred, no matter what they've done. So they did this terrible thing to to me. But what do we say about our children? We look at our children and say, no matter what they do, I'll always love them. And how does God look at us? He looks at us and he says, no matter what you do, I have sent my son to die for you. And if you'll cry out to me, his blood will cover you. Natural affection, godly affection. So hatred is a sign of broken affection. Pride, considering ourselves better than others, is a sign of broken affection. A greediness of spirit. And that greed may be centered on you or it may be centered on a greed just for you and, you and your family. But a greed that keeps us from seeing the needs of others and doing what we can, as the Scripture would tell us to do, to bless and help others. To think of it as not my problem, not my issue, not my concern. It's a sign of broken affection. If we love the way we, we are loved by God and if we love the way natural affection would have us love our children, that if we loved others that way, the natural affection wouldn't say, it's not my problem. Natural affection says, I may not be able to do everything. I may not be able to actually fix everything. But I can do something. Arrogance is a sign of broken affection. Lust. Looking at others with a spirit of lust is a sign in our spirit that proper affection is broken. We see others in a wrong way. Selfishness is a sign of broken affection. Until we let the Holy Spirit lead us into all truth, and until we begin to see and recognize and invite the Spirit to speak to us 
about the areas of our brokenness, we cannot begin to experience the power of redemption. It's only when we recognize daily, God, I'm going out into this world, a broken person, broken by a sin nature that's centered on me. And so, God, I'm so thankful you sent your spirit to lead me and to teach me. Do that today. Do that today. Heal me of those places where my affection isn't where it should be. The Holy Spirit shows us the difference between us, who we, who we were meant to be, what we were meant to become, and who we really are. And it's the Holy Spirit's task to bring transformation in our life. That's not going to come nearly as, as great into your life if the only time you pay attention to the Holy Spirit is the occasional time you show up at church. The Holy Spirit is our daily partner. He is with us wherever we go. I need to tune my ear to him and tune my heart to him. I need to take time in my life to say, God, how did I do today? What would you teach me about today? So he can begin the transformation in our life. The world becomes a better place when there's natural affection. Is the home a better place when it's filled with natural affection? The church is a better place when it's filled with people who have natural affection for each other. And the world becomes changed when people go out under the power of the Holy Spirit saying, God, help me to have the natural spiritual love and affection for others that you would plant in our heart. Let when we look at unnatural affection, we say, that person isn't healthy. They may not be healthy because of drugs or alcohol, or they may not be healthy for some other reason. But they're not healthy. God, help me to be healthy. In Jesus' name. Amen? Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, so many of us have so much to rejoice in today. We rejoice that we were in homes filled with natural affection while we pray for brothers and sisters who may not have experienced that. We're grateful today, Father, that you're a redeemer, that you come and move in our lives and redeem us and set us free so that even the thing that's happened to us, the impact of others' lack of affection will no longer influence us. Well, we will know it. We will no longer be modeled in it. But we can be free because of your affection for us. And yet, Lord, we become so painfully aware of the fact that the natural affection you have for us, the love you give to us, the love you call us to, and all of our lives breaks down at some point in time. So we invite your spirit. We invite your spirit to lead us, to teach us, that we can power up in you and walk in you and have the fullness of your spiritual work in our lives. Father, whatever place 
where we are broken. I invite you to bring healing to us. Now, Lord, I know. I know I don't have the authority to do that in every life. Each life has to do that on their own. But we invite them today. We invite each person in this room today to do that very thing. To say, Lord, make me whole in you. Lead me and teach me in you. In Jesus' name. As every head bowed, every eye closed. You just say, Lord, I want that. Just raise your hand one time to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be filled with your natural affection every day. Raise it high to the Lord today, right now, in Jesus' name. Father, you see our hands. Let us be filled with that natural affection. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.